Hello and welcome to the latest bonus episode of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, strategies, and streamers for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav here in Chicago, and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's the one and only Shane Beeps. Stanislav, I didn't know you were going to ask me to talk, honestly. I was I was going to like sort of lurk in the background and then just like ask a ask a question out of the blue and they can just like, whoa who's this guy also with us special guest the one and only fluffy wolf too hey fluffy hey there thanks for having me on do i need to pen the two every time i say fluffy wolf <laughs> I, I mean i would really really appreciate it it's <laughs> it's part of the whole the whole spiel we don't we don't talk about fluffy wolf one so <laughs> well this is a gotcha journalism podcast what did you do to fluffy wolf one to, to take the I can't, title can't, i can't share that it's secret information <laughs> well magic is a game of hidden and open information that one's an exile and hidden it got a uh, you know lantern control taken away it's face no. down no one knows what it is exactly not even i so for anyone who might not know fluffy wolf is a streamer a magic the gathering streamer Frequently a modern streamer. You can find them over at twitch.tv slash fluffywolf2. Of course, we're going to have a link to that in the show notes. And we'll let you rep yourself and all of your content and, and internet destinations as well before the episode is over. But thank you again for joining us on the latest bonus episode of The Dive Down. We're really excited to have you here. Talk to you a little bit about Pyro Prison, Magic, Modern, new cards if you have opinions on them, streaming in general. We've, we're excited to give you this platform to uh, to share your wisdom with us more than anything. No, it's it's great. Honestly, like before getting on, kind of getting those you know first stream butterflies again, kind of like woo, new platform, let's go. But I'm excited for sure. Shane, do you ever get butterflies when when we get on stream? You know, not anymore. Um, but. I still get a little bit of anxiety when we do the the, the Twitch stuff because the video, the visual medium is a little bit different. Uh, the audio stuff is is it's such a safe haven now. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like it's like not live, and we, we can edit out anything we say that's kind of dumb, which yeah. we can do right now too. So remember, bask bask in the sanctity <laughs> and safety of the edit, Fluffy Wolf. <laughs> Live is dangerous. Live's just like living on the edge. It's a it's a new new thing. It's it, it's a rush, you know. Well, you make it look quite effortless whenever I tune into your stream. So hats yeah, off. Yeah, your stream is super pro, like extremely pro. Like I like the the graphic layouts, the animation, stuff like that. That's it's a it's very nice. I'm gonna I want to steal some of those ideas for the dive down stream we have. For sure, for sure, I can definitely help you out. I mean, it didn't start that way. We had. No camera, barely a layout to, um, I have my little, uh, fish named Charles, my little clownfish. That was the only thing I showed on the camera for a while. Um, just like my hand by Charles, you know, that, that you know, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's evolved. Exactly. Hand cam <laughs> for magic, high APM stuff and everything. <laughs> So before we get into the meat of it, this would not be a bonus episode if we didn't kick off with a lightning round segment that we like to call Inside the Grinder Studio. And Fluffy, well, we have our five rapid questions that uh, we're going to run run past you. You're welcome to provide one word answers. If you want to add context in the form of a sentence or two, be my guest. But 
we're gonna get started right here first question what's your favorite magic card um my favorite is probably birds of paradise but i have a few other things on that one we'll, we'll touch after the lightning round hmm the tease i'm tease. surprised already already surprised with 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 bop as the answer but i respect it it's all bop what's your least favorite magic card i least favorites i guess we'll go with a two-parter here we got field the field of the dead that i'm not too wild about right now and then probably any planeswalker with a static ability when i'm streaming mm. yeah i'll forget about them <laughs> all the time yeah the onboard effects are really challenging i'm waiting for someone to have their least favorite card also be their favorite card and they'd be like i have i have complex reasons for this i really like fourth edition birds of paradise but not alpha <laughs> fluffy question the third what's your favorite format uh it's got to be modern there there is no other format it's got to be <laughs> do you have a biggest misplay that you remember that perhaps still haunts you to this day i yeah i've got one it it's so funny because some tournaments you like super prep for and this one was just a local i think it was like um iq or ptq or something like that and i had scape shift i've been super focused on how many mountains i had all through the tournament and in my practicing and i remember casting scape shift and then for whatever reason a judge came over to talk to me about something i got back to the board state right after it and I just kind of scoop my lands up like you sometimes do. You go like, oh, that's seven or eight lands or whatever. Put them in the graveyard and start searching, having already gone through certain mountains against my opponent. And basically when I went to resolve it, I had Valakut and like three mountains and then fetch lands and other things and couldn't kill them. So it cost me getting into top eight and kind of one of those focus things. That, yeah. that 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 misplay was was big i had the kill too if i didn't sacrifice so many things <laughs> i got greedy <laughs> that's so interesting so i've never piloted a valica deck certainly not scape shift and i always thought that that deck once it cast the scape shift it always happens so i'm actually i feel like i'm learning something here too that it can whiff if it already has the certain land suite out on the board <laughs> it whiffs when you scoop them all up and then you're like oh i just should scoop the rest of the cards up <laughs> All right, last question. Do you have a favorite piece of magic slang? Uh, it's probably just lock. I mean, I play prison decks. Lock is a, a term we use on our channel quite a bit, and it, I think it fits into the the slang of, of magic. I don't know. You can, you can fight me on that one if you want. <laughs> I think that's an original one. I don't know if any of our previous guests have ever mentioned lock. The very few people I think that we get to chat with are as prolific prison players as you are. So I guess it's fitting for your brand. They're, they're definitely like soft locks and hard locks and, and things like that. I, I think I think most people are familiar with that. Um, rest in peace, Lattice. Mm. Sad days. That does inspire a bonus question. Do you have a favorite lock piece? Favorite lock piece? Um... I think I think Karn and Lattice was definitely kind of fun to do. I think the the craziest, maybe jankiest thing I've done is a Teferi, that's little Teferi, and uh knowledge pull. 
That one's mm-hmm. a fun one. I like to play mm-hmm. around with knowledge pool at times. Um, Marlin and uh, an Arbiter, uh, Leon and Arbiter is a fun lock too. I think those are some of my maybe favorite and kind of a multi-part there. Um, obviously, you have Blood Moon, Chalice, and Bridge, but you know, spicing it up a little bit. I can respect that. It looks here like you had some rapid-fire questions that you wanted to throw at us as well. You have the biggest misplay here, and I think I could fire that one off. So you can you can either sidestep to that one or biggest maybe blunder in trading or your finances. And, I, and I'm I'm happy to join on this one too. I've thought about this one for a little bit. So biggest blunder in a trade or maybe a finance thing, maybe when you're learning what rares yeah, were versus not. <laughs> I definitely had one of those when I was very early into you know communal magic beyond just a friend group and i was meeting people through fnms or drafts or whatever and i definitely made a big trade with someone where i was just kind of like quantity for quantity and i didn't at that point i didn't know to like look up prices <laughs> it's all cardboard right it's all cardboard it's all the same and and i was in my 20s at this point you know this isn't the mistakes of a very young player per se um so yeah i i, I remember getting rid of um, some of the cons of Tarkir, Teemer, Sarkins, and some re- Siege Rhinos in that trade, and, and getting some cards for Elves that, like, just, it was not a good deal on, on my behalf. And I think the person, they weren't trying to exploit me, but they were like, are you sure you don't want anything else? Kind of trying to say without saying that yeah. they got the better end of that deal. Oh, man. I mean, for me, it's a lot of just, like... uh regret like i played i played at 95 and i didn't really know what i was doing like it was extremely casual like it was just in my teens and the store i was playing at was just super casual and like i i knew of black lotus but i didn't really know like what it did and why it was good and it was still like 400 bucks then right but like duels weren't really uh crazily expensive it's all the kind of like you know i could have had all these cards if i had been a serious player or if i had been like in my 20s at that point or something like that but i'm sure i would have sold the cards for some stupid reason that you know in, in the in for just you know I mean, but i think the biggest financial missteps i did was playing standard <laughs> like, <laughs> like just playing standard at all because it's like it's such a it's such a financial churn especially when you're like you're eager and you're like getting i got back into the game like during con standard and it was just like i was just buying what i wanted and then like selling what i thought i didn't want anymore for you know half of what i paid at the absolute best and it was just kind of like you know it was the churn and it was exciting but it was not smart Fair. But, like I think I mean my and my my worst misplay everyone knows this it's the the post combat stormbat storm storm breath dragons multiple multiple post combat storm breath dragons just scary to even hear that story Ooh. come 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 up again Stan what's your worst misplay Stan I, it's hard to pick just one the one that comes <laughs> to mind just now as we're talking about it is um it was the first like five k it was a nerd rage event immediately after the unbanning of Stoneforge Mystic and the banning of Faithless Looting. And I registered a Jeskai-Sahili-Cat combo deck with the Stoneplate package. And the deck had Force of Negations. And I was against a um, Scapeshift player, actually. And this is post-board. And I had a Teferi out that they fried. 
and I attempted to counter the fry with a force of negation, pitching a card for the force. So fry cannot be countered, but I made the mistake in a high level event of, you know, pitching a card to force anyway. So I, I think I three for one to myself unintentionally with that exchange. So that hurt. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, that would hurt. Listen, we learn from these mistakes, I would hope. Oh, yeah. To to jump on a little bit of the, the finance trade one, I just remember it, for whatever reason, pretty vividly, you know, I just started Magic. This is really young. Um, Phyrexian Dreadnought back in, I think it's in the Mirage set. And it was a really cool card. I was like, oh, it's big monster and all. And uh, my my well, sort of friend at the bus stop was just like, <laughs> Hey, I'll trade you. And I was like, oh, okay, what do you have? And he offered me, uh, I believe the card's Firestorm Hellkite, which if you're not familiar, I think it's from Visions. Um, flying Trample, 6-6, six, six, big dragons, got flames, got a random elephant on the art. Um, and the reason it was a good deal was because the card was gold. Because mm-hmm. it's two colors, so it's rare. <laughs> yeah. So I got traded that. I was like, oh, I got this really rare dragon, and it's really powerful because it has cumulative upkeep. So you got to, <laughs> like, really pay for it. And so I was sold on the 6-6 six, six dragon. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could pay one for, what, Dreadnought, but you had to sack things. That's terrible. I kind of regret that. I, I've looked for that card a few times, <laughs> thinking I hadn't done that trade. <laughs> I like how you're uncertain if that person was your friend after all. I was. It was It was a trying time. That's true. So one last thing before we really get into kind of some of your expertise as a Magic player. I'd love to learn a little bit of the basic background into Fluffy Wolf. Starting with, when was the first time you heard about Magic the Gathering? Well, I guess it's a good segue then from the 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 bus stop it was at the bus stop i was in i think third or fourth grade and just like any other you know after or morning you go up to the bus stop and getting all lined up there's usually the the one parent there that's watching all the kids to make sure we don't destroy that person's driveway we like throw pine cones at the trees and other things like that and this guy walks up he's um He's the same grade as me and everything. He walks up with this giant binder and I'm like, all right, whatever. He's got either some project in there or, you know, that's math or whatever. And he opens it up and it's just this sea of like cards with art on it. Uh, they're in the, the really old school you three ring binder, the flip things mm-hmm. where you're putting your cards in. And I just remember kind of like mesmerized by what is this? What are these little things? I didn't even know they were cardboard. I just didn't know what they were. Uh, so, you know, obviously, being me, I'm super curious. I'm basically over the guy's shoulder staring at all these cards. And, and I learn a bit about them, that they're called Magic. And we can get them at the card shop down the street. And that's it. Close, and we got on the bus. So I think it was maybe... Two weeks, three weeks later, I convinced my parents to let me go. We go, and we go into the store, and, like, I want to buy magic. You know, I don't even know it's the gathering or anything. Yeah. And the guy just kind of looks at me, and, and I'm like, well, they have art. And I explain it as my little fourth grade self or whatever. And 
ended up walking out with some starter pack thing at that point and that's that's where everything started do you remember which set that was um i i I know because i attended a gp and i was staring at the wall just recently i had the options of um i ended up getting ice age because uh i liked cool blue things at that time i thought ice was cool and and the shards were sweet and stuff like that but i had the options of um what is it? Antiqu- I think it's Antiquities, 5th Edition, Mirage, Tempest, mm-hmm. um, The Dark, I think, was there, uh, Legends. Stuff like that was on the shelf as as options that I could pick from. Yeah, so old school magic. Oh, yeah. Pretty pretty close to the beginning. Not 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 crazy alpha folks, but... Yeah. And So have you been playing magic nonstop since that period, or have you sort of come and gone like so many players... I've come and gone, and maybe that kind of ties back to that favorite card. Uh, Bop is definitely my favorite card, but I have favorite cards throughout Magic's history. So if there were like highlight points where I left and came back, whether it was because family moved or um, was focusing more on school or something, the the blocks I can remember was I was definitely that Mirage, Ice Age, the Dark kind of stuff, Tempest, Urza's into Unhinged then gapped and then i played mirrodin kind of area because i remember equipment's big then i gapped again to then pretty much i came back around m13 return to ravnica and that's when maybe i was old enough to understand hey this could be competitive too mm-hmm. so con- continuous from from return to ravnica forward for um probably more competitive so yeah very cool gaps in there <laughs> what do you do outside of magic Outside of Magic, I'm a software developer. I, I work in the big data is the I guess the, the 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 big name for it. Basically, running a lot of our data through our company, gathering it using databases and stuff like that, and getting this all kind of situated so that our our business side of the the house can uh, do analytics. They can do um, marketing. They can make just different decisions based on that data. Uh, so I gather data as a software developer kind of cool. person. Shane, that's kind of like you, almost. <sighs> that's like the the kind of like me that gets gets better jobs. Um, uh, what about what about for kicks? Like, is like magic like your your primary hobby and primary game you play, or you also do like video gaming or you know board gaming or just you know watching TV on the couch type thing? I'm really bad. So the wife, the wife is big on the movies, the shows. We have some shows we watch together. So I'm not a, I'm not big on the TV stuff. Um, before Magic, or it, I, I, I guess there's not really a time before Magic. Magic's been kind of in and out. I guess before I got super competitive, I played a lot of StarCraft. Uh, did a lot of that. Was big on the StarCraft Two release kind of thing. Um, like to ladder that probably got way too competitive for my own good uh so that i think i like a lot of just random indie games from time to time Mm. uh i like minecraft quite a bit actually Mm -hmm. um it's it's that game's dangerous you you sit down and you're (laughs) like oh yeah i'm just gonna build this and then like you know luckily i have my wife she's like well do you want dinner dinner i miss lunch (laughs) (laughs) So that's the kind of stuff I I I do. I 
I think so. Yeah. What about you? You you two? What outside of Magic? What's the game of choice? Oh man, no time. No time for games outside of Magic. All my gaming time is Magic because I don't have that much of it. That's not I, true. I do like I do like to find some time for like board games, but I'm nowhere near as heavy as I used to be. Like I play really light board games now. Are we a Catan kind of player, or are we some other? Oh, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, so I I have played board games since, like, the mid-90s, so I'm, like, I'm kind of, like, old old school Euro, like, so I do, I have, like, games from, like, you know, the, the early eras, like, you know, the Carcassonne and Catans and Puerto Ricos of the world, and then, like, you know, the, the mid, the mid era of, like, sort of the Ticket to Rides and the, and sort of the mid era where games got a little bit more popular and now like gaming is just board gaming is just huge and so there, there's all kind of games coming out every year you know like the wingspans and the gloom havens and whatnot so my thankfully i have i have limited storage space for my gaming and so like it puts a hard cap on how many games i can have so otherwise i'd just be like oh this one looks cool and like oh just let's keep filling this gigantic basement office that i don't have yeah, I, I love my Nintendo Switch. That That's kind of my video game system of, of preference lately. Like, I've played every Pokemon game since the Game Boy Color, up through the current gens. Lately, I've been working on Zelda Age of Calamity. So, I, I, I like games that let me play in bed before I fall asleep, or like until one in the afternoon on a Saturday. Because I just woke up and decided to... Like, <laughs> Stan sleeps in late. It's amazing. <laughs> Stan, do you... Have you found, so I wish, I, I want to game in bed more, but the Switch is such a noisy system that I don't want to irritate my wife. Like, the buttons are the buttons so are, loud. Yeah. So loud. Anyway, I this, mean, is, my, this, is, this wife... is really good Fluffy Wolf interview content. <laughs> get some get some earmuffs for her. There you go. <laughs> now you can play your Switch. Yeah. This is this is a more important question, though. Red or... Or blue and which starter, Stan? What did you start with? Of I need the, to know of, if you're on my side. So of the original three, the very first time I played it was mm-hmm. probably red and it was probably Charizard. But I've now played like the original version of Pokemon probably 20 different times and have a strong relationship with all three starters. I think... They got it right the first time. Those are the perfect starters. They can go in any team. But I don't know. If I had to pick one IRL to be my buddy in the world we live in now, I think I'd actually just get Bulbasaur. Okay. Okay. A nice little plant companion who <laughs> travels with me and like blasts seeds. There you go. Helps me fall asleep. Yeah, that's true. Let's talk about Fluffy. Because in my mind... And one of the reasons why I reached out to you to to have this conversation is because you are the go-to streamer for Red Prison decks. And I think you've earned a reputation within the Magic community as an expert pilot of Pyro Prison. And I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, your history with this deck and, you know, whether that's an accurate perception even if if you see this as your own deck. I would I would think so. I I picked up Red Prison. Um I think Goldfish kind of had a red prison list it was probably Koth and a bunch of maguses and it was probably like eight or 12 type of moons or something like that and i played that and 
it was like very close. It was close to what I wanted to be doing in Magic. Uh, running out a Blood Moon as quick as you can, hiding behind this you know bridge, and then pinging down with Koth. But it kind of just lacked a little something. Like, I still really genuinely love it when a, a list will attack and put creatures in the battlefield sideways. You know, that traditional damage. I like a good combo deck. I mentioned Scape Shift. Uh, but turning creatures sideways is definitely a big thing. And so time goes on here. Not much time. And I'm playing standard uh, Mantis Rider, Stoke the Flames, Rabble Masters, the big, the big three, if you will, uh, smashing in and then just tapping things that you can't smash in or have already smashed in with and doing four damage. Uh, you know, oh, that's a Mantis Rider. It was, oh, that's a Rabble Master. That's that's what you heard. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sitting here like, oh, that's a Rabble Master. I'm like, well, that's a red card. Surely I can do something with this. So I'm looking at Goblin decks now, and Goblins are like, eh, they're all right for me. I, too many creatures, so I need a balance. So I'm like perusing the internet at some point. MTG Salvation. I find a post by Ray Stack, who's probably, if you will, the father of Pyro Prison. And I kind of just read. And I'm reading. I'm like, okay, Blood Moon Bridge, I've seen that. And, and, and Rabble Master. Oh, you can't do that. The spike in me tells me those are a non-bow. No, they're not quite a non-bow. These little creatures are, are tiny. I draw, I draw a card and I can attack. And I took this list, took it to an event. I think I only went like three and three or something. It wasn't like the greatest showing. But I had a blast. And... I knew then that that was probably exactly what I wanted to do. I liked the whole 50-50 aspect of, do I get the lock side or the aggro side of the list? Mm -hmm. uh, how can we attack? How can we defend? I like just that every game does feel very different and definitely is probably why I settled on the list. Definitely why I play it. Definitely why I decided to do that. And uh, probably what kind of the streaming portion of it, if you will, is there just weren't videos out there of, of Red Prison for modern. There was for kind of legacy, but nothing for modern. And so I was like, well, let's try this. And yeah, that, that became the deck. That that was what we played. Were those early versions also including the ritual package where you can, you know, run out a turn one Blood Moon or Rabble Master? Yes, yes. They they included it. I don't know. I'm trying to remember if Gemstone was there at the very, very beginning. I think once I saw Ray Stack's list, that's when I started to kind of get to something that had been worked on for a while by someone that had kind of nurtured the list. Um, so you could almost argue it's, it's Ray Stack's list, but then I took it and tried to just popularize it and then like also just make it a little bit my own. Um, I know, I know some would call that net decking, but I have a funny story about that. We can get into that later. <laughs> Fluffy, I'm curious, um, as, as a, you know, a streamer and just as a player, do you think there's a benefit to be known as someone who plays particular types of decks or kind of has like something that's, that's in their wheelhouse? Uh, so you play Verdant Catacombs. Hey, Fluffy, I'm a fan. Fetch Basic Forest. Dang it. <laughs> that happens a lot. Uh, I think it's it's positive. It's I I think at the very beginning I received a lot of like 
I know Magic Online sometimes can have some pretty upset people on it that they're just upset with what you're doing. They're upset with your janky homebrew or not homebrew, depending on if they've won or lost. And I think after a while, I kind of got less and less of that. Uh, People started to know kind of what was coming and almost... I don't want to say they they kind of like accepted that it was their fault that they didn't maybe fetch a basic against me or not. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it definitely made it one of these, well, that's what you play and you're pretty you're pretty okay at it. And I think it, it benefits to some degree. I I had to, after a year or so of playing it, I had to throw in a few other lists so that people stop fetching basics all the time. It, it makes doing something turn one that's supposed to be a surprise really hard. Yeah. Do you have a favorite opener for this deck? You know, in in the latest iteration, I'm assuming nowadays you're playing Chandra Torch of Defiance, which sometimes this deck can get out on turn one. Do you mm-hmm. do you like that turn one Chandra? Assuming it's game one in the blind, you're on the play and you have options. Where do you start? Ah, uh, I mean, like, and, and it's funny that you say on the play. I'm happy to be on the draw too with a Gemstone Cavern in hand. Uh, that usually kind of signals what we're doing i think if i were to say some of the most greedy hands that i've had that turned out really crazy would be something like turn one chandra into a chalice is pretty nice uh turn one chandra into a rabble master is super nice uh i i have had the turn one chandra into turn two karn the great creator that was that was pretty nice oh yeah um probably if I if I wouldn't go super greedy and have like basically two planeswalkers out by turn two, I think I think a good turn turn one Blood Moon is is probably still I still get pretty excited about that. Um, probably no surprise I don't like Force of Negation, uh, so sometimes it's got to be turn one Magus too. You know that Blood Moon effect, whatever it is. Right, I can dig it. I love a Blood Moon as well. And uh, one of my favorite Blood Moon decks lately is just good old-fashioned Ponza after Clothus got printed and Ponza became, you know, borderline tier one in modern. I, I really fell in love with the deck. And I was really delighted to see recently you were playing on your stream one of these recent Teamer Ponza-esque decks that have Karn, that also have the um, that new Merfolk that steals artifacts, the Skydiver. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think you also had Uros in there because this is magic. What do you not think about? I, not by choice. Not by choice. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's re- it's a required include these days. What do you think about that Teamer Ponza deck? Was it just a meme that you were exploring, or do you think there's something to that? I w- I want. I'm in an interesting position to answer this because I've been asked, "Why don't you just run like a bunch of liquid metal coatings, pillages, and abrades?" just in red prison and this teamer version is just doing that except instead of destroying something you get to steal it and i think it sounds appealing yeah oh it's it's well i have another list that that if you like to blow up lands we can talk about that one there's 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 a better way to do this but i think for the stealing portion it's really cute i think the problem is that people will look at that list and go Oh yeah, I am building around the Ponza shell, or I'm building around the the 
as a skydiver, the thieving skydiver. That's not what you're building around as soon as you start throwing three liquid metal coatings in the main or even four. Mm -hmm. You're building around that card. And as much as I enjoy Karn, liquid metal coating, blow up your basic, and I've got a blood moon out, that's all great. That's the best place to be at, and your opponent's just upset. Liquid metal coating to me is not a card you can build around because if you top deck that one, you're just going to be just disappointed. And playing the list, every time I had it, you want it to work. You you just want it to work. And it just, I wasn't seeing it work. Right. I want to play it a few more times on or off stream because I don't want to give up on the idea. But I think it may have to be kind of this like side plan. Like focus on your Ponza. If you want to splash blue, you can play some Titan that I won't name. And... Primeval. Go there, do the liquid metal coating, and have this this creature for kind of like as a two of. That's how I would do it. I, I think it has potential, but I think it's just going to be a, a worse Ponza. Yeah, I, I'm assuming you found that list online as well, right? Or or did you build this liquid metal coating? I think if it was Monday, I'm trying to do like Meta Monday where I find at least a 5-0 or something that's done well in a challenge. And I believe that one was a 5-0 list that I saw. I think I saw two Teamer versions, and I think I saw an Esper version as well. And I decided Teamer, Ponza, you know, felt more comfortable to me. And so I went with that one. You know, the the... the the wonderful side of going, this list 5 0 let's see how we do. Nice, 1-4. Well done, Fluffy. <laughs> the casual spike record. It's perfect record. Well, perfect for learning. What's your net deck story that you had teased earlier? Oh, the, the yeah, so I was, we had this really small event. And yeah, so net decking, small event, this guy sits across from me. And he's playing basically a version of Silvermoon, which is another one that Goldfish was playing. Basically, it's Pyro Prison, but you're doing things with Opal. You were trying to do things with all zero artifacts. You could use Chalice. You're trying to ritual out that way. And you're using uh, a package of no Chandras, but Karns, both versions of Karn at four drop. And so we, we play, and we play, and we play game one and then game two. And we go to game three, and I do remember that I just kind of had the nuts. Um, only game I've won with three cards in hand, but considering I had Chalice for the zero artifacts, it was good to go. This guy kind of finishes. We're sh putting the cards away. And he goes, man, did you get this deck off somewhere? I was like, no, no, this is this is mine. He's like, oh, I swear I've seen this. I was like, oh, well, where? I'm kind of curious who, where you saw it from. This guy pulls up Goldfish scrolling through and he finds he finds this listing and it's a 5-0 listing from you know fluffy wolf 2 and and the guy's like yeah this one i, I swear it's just like this you know feels like you you took this or whatever i was like oh yeah that guy that's me <laughs> and you just watch the guy's face and kind of like this <laughs> moment of pause and his eyes get really big he's like nah that's not you uh. and this is at the point where i hadn't been doing any cameras i was like oh no that's me he's like prove it so I was like, all right, I log into Twitch and stuff, and I chat my own thing, and Fluffy Wolf 2, and I just put, like, a, a mode or whatever. He's like, oh, my gosh, you're Fluffy Wolf 2! 
It's like, yeah, I, I promise you, I didn't net deck that. <laughs> <laughs> I am the net deck. <laughs> I, yeah, I am that. I am that net deck. <laughs> so that's that's the fun one there. It, it's one of those times where they point out exactly where it came from, and you're like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Love that. Kind of jealous. What do you think about the current state of Magic? You know, like, we, we almost don't want to mention Uro, but I think it's fair to describe the last year or two at minimum, it's, it's pretty turbulent, especially in modern. Does that kind of deter your motivation to keep playing? Are you able to, you know, keep your chin up because some of the decks that you like to play are still playable? So I believe that even in some of the worst metas, you can attack the meta as a prison player. Now, your prison list may, may be very different. It may be very... Uh, you hear about, you know, Jace Stoneblade days and stuff like that. It was one or the other. And I'm not saying that we're at that point right now. But I think, to me, I think you can definitely attack this. Um, I was listening to your recent, one of your recent podcasts about the Mana Trader series. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting to listen to that because of kind of the breakdowns that you all kind of brought up. And what's interesting is going into that event, I went ahead and played it as well. I went ahead and tried my hand at Red Prison, but I adjusted Red Prison to attack uh, Uro. And pretty proud to say that the three times I ran into Omnath or Uro, it wasn't a problem. I beat them all three times. And so I think you can. I think like we had Eldrazi Winter kind of recently. We had Hogak Summer. And both of those were completely fine for Red Prism. Everybody else was upset, though. And I, I think it's because sometimes sometimes we hold on to our ideas too hard. And we're not willing to just go completely outside the box and go, fine, if they're going to do this, what can I do? And I'll lose against Burn. I'll lose against this deck. But when I go against Uro Omnath... It's slam dunk 90% of the time I'll win. And I think that's kind of interesting because if you're expecting it so much, I don't see a reason why you can't target it. Um, I think game one versus game two and game three with your sideboard can really be adjusted. And I, I think people get kind of settled into not adjusting that. What do you look for in like a magic environment, like a format environment that makes you think that I'm enjoying this more or I'm enjoying this less or is it always kind of just like I like magic and I like playing magic I, I, we're all here because we like playing magic right <laughs> is this I a trick so. question are we about well, I mean, to like, change I, I think there's, there's definitely times when like I feel like okay I, I'm enjoying modern right now or I'm enjoying this format right now because it feels like I have the opportunity to do X, Y, or Z. And do you think like at certain times you found that you're, that you're like, I'm kind of frustrated with the the game at this point, or do you think that you always are able to find opportunities to enjoy the game? Probably the one time recently, I'm sure there's been multiple times that I've been frustrated, but I think the one time recently was actually Oko. And the reason I say that is because I think if a card single-handedly removes basically a card type from the game from being 
functional or being useful, in this case, like artifacts, because we all know Oko can turn things into an elk. If you have any strategy that's now trying to use even a little bit of artifacts, which is kind of that one that one thing that can be played in most decks because of the colorless nature to it, I think that can make things frustrating. I think that along with things that are non-interactive, I, I think a good example is uh, we have other competitive things out there, um, but I'll use uh, Hearthstone as an example. It doesn't, at least the last time I played, it didn't have like instants. Mm-hmm. And so that interactiveness, that complexity that magic gives you, if that starts to get taken away, then I can get a bit frustrated, I, I think. And and I know there's a Teferi floating out there that's preventing interaction, but I would say it still can be interacted with with in a way that you can then reopen the game back up. As a lock and prison player, I respect that we've locked down a portion of the game and now we have to attack it in a more flexible manner. And so I think as long as you look at it that way, I don't think you can be mad at magic, but you can be upset at times because you have to go outside of your comfort zone to find the way that you can continue to play magic the way you want to. So we're recording this episode in the midst of spoiler season. And one thing I've noticed from your stream during periods such as right now, when people ask you about spoilers, you're somewhat tight-lipped about Mm. cards that stand out to you. It almost seems to me like you don't really care about spoiler season. Is that true? Or do you pay attention to cards and like start imagining where they may be useful? I guess let me turn the question on you while I think about this one. What what hypes you about spoiler season? You're going to get to the cards at some point, and you're getting them kind of trickled in, right? So what what is that hype for you? Really easy and fun episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, like it's, it's, it's just like, oh, man, I don't have to think about anything. All I have to do is look at these cards, think about what looks interesting, what looks playable, what looks fun, what looks cool, what looks new, and talk about it with my friends. Instead of being like, how can we, how can we help our, our listeners level up and what can we offer in some kind of strategic method or have to play this new deck? Nope. Just get to sit and talk. <laughs> but Shane, like, so we talked earlier that it sounded like you were a bit into the, what the software developer, the data kind of person. Sure. How do you, this took me a while. How do you get over the whole, where's my data to back my decision to give to my audience? Mm. Oh, I, I don't worry about making, having my audience make good decisions based off what I say. Oh okay. <laughs> Just throw we, throw we, them all to the wolves. We did, we did, uh, we we have never we have never uh, maintained that that we we help our I, we help our audience be better players. The uh, one of our mottos, our, our play mat motto is uh, think good, play bad. Yeah. So maybe we can make people better thinkers, but being a better player takes a lot of practice beyond just listening to a podcast. I mean, I in full. I mean, in more honesty, I think that talking about why you think a card is potentially good or why you think it might fit into a particular strategy or what it brings to a particular deck or maybe a whole new kind of deck. I think that like talking about the way you analyze things and analyzing it on the pod um, should be helpful or at least it should be explanatory and kind of giving people like the, the why behind your take. You know what I mean? So I think that's, that's something that I do like. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm kind of to your point. We were 
a bit tight-lipped, if you will, but also I've just had to learn. So Karn the Great Creator comes out, and I insist I can't make a recommendation until I have the data. I play 100 matches and then go, yeah, this is pretty good. I've got like an 85% win rate with it. Uh, you guys can go ahead and go for it, too. And I turned them out really quickly to get that data, but I've had to like learn. It's okay to, if you will, be wrong. It, it's maybe a flaw of mine, but it's okay to just kind of give it a wider opinion like you're saying. And I really appreciate that because that's taken me well over a year to be okay with doing that. I think Stan and I would both say like, we're, we're just kind of like, we're kind of fine being wrong too. Like, you know, that's just, that's just par for the course. So sometimes, sometimes you have a good take and sometimes you have a bad take, but the, I mean, thinking out loud is valuable. And I kind of, I think that, you know, whether or not you get to the right answer, kind of trying to derive your way and, and get your way to what possibly could be an objective truth, but almost always is not is, is, is the fun is the process. The process is the product. I, I love how you put that chain. And I think coming to terms with oh, being okay with being wrong is something that, I mean, we've been podcasting for like two years now, and that's something that we had to, at least I had to learn and develop and kind of learn to be a little less self-conscious about something like that sure. and, and yeah. really lean into the fact that at the end of the day, it's just me and my buddies talking about cards that I think are fun or cool or being honest with the fact that, you know, call time is coming out and I am not seeing very many cards that are capturing my imagination. Yeah, this is the this is the set I feel like we could be the most wrong about. Where it's like we're just like, yeah. uh, 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 yeah. and then everything's gonna be like, oh, like there's whole new decks based around some of these things, and like they're huge players and existing decks, and we're just like, well, we didn't see any of those. Yeah, and Fluffy to answer kind of your initial question when you pointed it back at us, the thing for me is it's kind of that feeling of my imagination being captured relative to other specific cards that I really like or other decks that I like to play. So I think a nice example of that is when Seagate Stormcaller got spoiled in the previous set uh, in Zendikar 3. I got really excited about that because it kind of looks like Snapcaster Mage and I love playing Snapcaster Mage. So it just made me think like, how can I use this fun new toy that looks like this other old toy that I love to do something similar that may be fun for me? Yeah, I guess kind of a follow-up question is maybe not what do you like out of Kaldheim maybe or, but like what, what kind of things are you looking for? Like what do you, you, when you're, when you're examining new cards, are you looking for stuff that's like, here's, here's what's going to make my competition better or here's what's going to make the decks I like to play better or, Oh, this seems like something I could, I could build a whole new deck around. It, it may seem. So I think definitely there's always that like prison and lock strategy and okay, what card works here? Um, definitely seeing a few out of the new set that our prison discord is definitely interested in. But I think also, and like shameless, like little plug for my other list that I've kind of become known for, my Vesper Lark reanimator list. All I wanted to do was play a masterpiece painter servant. I thought the card was gorgeous. And I just want to sit at that. And And if the worst thing is I can't play it because everything's gone wrong with everything that I've done janky and everything like that, man, that's a nice looking piece of art that I can stare at. <laughs> and I, maybe that's the wrong way about going about it. But like, there's just certain cards that I'm like, yeah, I want to hold on to this and like look at this while I'm playing Magic. So I'm I'm cool. I'm going to try to build around this like seven cards or whatever, you know, I like these. 
I respect that. You know, we're we're kind of coming close to our typical cap, and I think I would be very remiss if we didn't get a chance to talk about streaming in the abstract and maybe some advice or, or lessons you've learned as a streamer over the years. What do you think are some of the keys to success in Magic versus streaming, where being a good Magic player may not necessarily mean being a good streamer and and vice versa. Do you think there are any heuristics that you've picked up on that maybe you can share with us or our listeners that may be useful to anyone who wants to get into streaming because of how much they love the game? I think there's a lot of magic content out there for starters. And so if that's something you want to get into content wise, whether that is a stream, a YouTube video, or even, you know, just getting your ideas out there in articles, podcasts, and so on and so forth, just content in general, I think it can feel overwhelming. And so what I would say to anybody is, one, if you're interested in the streaming side of things, stream something you like. And we'll just assume that because you're listening to this, you like magic. So go one further and go, what do you like about magic? Are you that aggro? Are you that control, combo, tax, lock, prison, whatever strategy you like? I would say play that. And the reason I say play that is because when you're playing paper magic, there's a few emotions that you have to kind of keep behind closed doors as you're playing. And that's the excitement when you top deck the answer that you know is going to help you one or two turns from now. And when you're streaming you get to share that emotion. So if you don't really care about playing, say, an aggro deck, and you're like, oh, yep, that's another goblin guide. Oh, yep, that's another bolt. Whatever. Doing the actions, that's going to come through <laughs> in your content. You know, if you're super hyped about that top deck, you know, what is it? The top deck bonfire that everyone's like, whoa, that was crazy. If you get hyped about something that you pull off the top of the library, that will convey to your content. And from that content, people are going to enjoy it. They're going to latch onto it. They're going to experience magic through you and with you. And so I think that's an important facet. You can have a really cool setup. You can have crazy lights. You can have all these flashing things up there. I don't think that adds for magic folks. I think magic folks want to see the game. They want to understand what's going on and they want to play with you. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that like, is that something that you try to cultivate? Like it's the, the, we, like the, you know, we, here's our out, or like we got the win, or we figured out how to navigate that. Like, is that something that you try, you strive to create? Or is that something you think sort of happens naturally from like the chat up? Is that like a chat up or a streamer down type mentality? I think it's a cultivated community that you create. You've got those brewers out there where it's the the community that brews it, you've got the person out there that, nope, this is the line you're going to learn from me and this is my way. Mm -hmm. And then you have the ones that want to kind of share it a little bit. And I think I could fall into that camp. I remember some early comments on YouTube where I would say, well, I think I'm going to go this way or I think I'm going to go that way. It was kind of wishy-washy. And people were saying, stop saying that. Please tell me why, because I can't read your mind and I don't understand what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like if you were to take, let's go to chess briefly. The grandmasters got like 30 moves ahead and they move this weird pawn or something. And you're like, why? They could spend now like two days explaining this to you. That's 
what we do on our stream is we all want to be better magic players. I'll punt like crazy and chat will just be like, well, Fluffy, you've lost it. <laughs> Terrible magic player. And um, then I almost always follow it up with, you know, if it's just sweeping under the rug or whatever, I punted so you now don't have to. <laughs> and <laughs> But it's like kind of a, a real thing because if you watch someone make a mistake, if you're paying attention enough to realize the mistake, then you're proving to yourself that you're doing better. And I think as a collective whole, if we can kind of find those lines from time to time, I think we're, you know, it's it's streamer down, community up. It's both. It's a middle ground. Do you set goals for yourself as a streamer or as a magic player? The dangerous and fine line between trying to be a better magic player and then trying to stream and get a big community or something like that. It's a good question. And I think... For me, to be the best Magic player I can, but also be relatable, allows me to balance between the two goals. So I had, and I don't know why I decided this was a great idea at the end of 2020, but I decided to try and upload a video every single day. And it might be a stream replay, it may be a YouTube exclusive, as I like to call them. And we just did that. And it didn't matter if it was a 1-4, a 5-0. I think you can set these stream-specific goals, but I think because the focus is magic, it's better to set the magic-specific goals and let the stream goals just kind of happen as you hit milestones. Yeah. I think that on the podcast end of things, that's kind of similar, right? Like, I, I don't remember us ever having a listener goal or anything like that, right? Yeah. I think it was always just about kind of like, if you build it, they will come type thing. Like, let's just keep putting out content that we're proud of and that we enjoy making. And if people listen, then that's cool type thing. And so I think, yeah, I think like a lot of what I'm hearing you say, Fluffy, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is like you have to enjoy what you're doing and you have to do what comes naturally to you, right? Like play decks that you like so that you can talk about them in a way that is beneficial to you and others. And you and the attitude you have will be the attitude of the community that is around you, right? A hundred percent agree. And I think you kind of nailed it on the head. Don't always force yourself into those goals. If your community grows, your community will actually start to set goals for you. They'll ask you, hey, why don't we hit this? Why don't we do that? They'll kind of start to generate this thing where now the community decided the goal. The community being, hey, let's, you know... I. I put up how many followers and subscribers I have on, on Twitch. And we went through it one time. They're like, oh, raise it to this. I'm like, oh, why why not just try to hold this for a little while? And like they wanted to increase these things. They want you to grow. You can see it by some of your longtime viewers for you guys or, or listeners for you guys and longtime viewers for myself. They're, they'll every now and then reference, oh, I remember this and I'm so happy to see you now. And And I think they're the ones that are almost setting your goals for you. And if that's happening, I think you're you're actually setting more goals than you realize. Just maybe not, maybe not announcing them. Yeah, yeah, I I love that perspective. And I will add one thing that I really appreciate about your stream in particular, and other other content creators do this too. But without fail, whenever I watch you play, I know exactly what you're thinking. And it's it's never about watching someone play the game. It's very much watching someone think through and really hearing them think through this game. And 
um, I, what was it last night? Was it when you were on Prowess where you had a situation where you had like four land up, a couple cards in exile off light up the stage, several cards in hand, and you're just like, I have options. So I can do A, B, C. This is how things will play out. And I think that's something that, you know, for a game like Magic, one of the reasons why I don't stream often is because I don't love to talk through all of my plays, but I think it contributes to what makes you a really successful streamer and one that I found, you know, such an appealing guest because clearly you think about it a lot. I try to and appreciate that for sure. I think if you, if anything, if you talk through all your lines then you can say we're committing to this line and if we win or lose, we've committed and this is why. And like, it kind of justifies that for you, but it also lets everyone go, well, this is why we decided to go with this. And it had, a, you know, this much chance. I had 15 more outs than I did. And Magic Online decided to give me the Thoughtseize bug or something like that and just give me the card back. For sure. Before I wind us out, Shane and or Fluffy, anything else that you'd like us to kind of cover while we're on mic uh, that we may have missed or overlooked? So wrapping up here with uh, you two, I definitely want to definitely want to say we've had a... Quite a, quite a year. It's been ups and downs for lots of people uh, the past year. And I think one of the ways we all got through it was community-based, but also I think there's a lot of the, the arts out there. The, you, you might be listening to your favorite music, you know, uh, whether you're maybe at home or waiting in a line or something like that over this crazy year. Uh, we have plenty of people on you, you know your social platforms reading things you've got your reddits you've got your wizard stuff you've got your articles from tcg player to goldfish to many of those out there and so a lot of people have put a lot of things out there and i think we would be i would be disappointed if we concluded here without talking about maybe your favorite artist. Mm. uh it could be the favorite artist of this year all time it could just be current i mean there's always awesome art coming out in magic and I just would be curious, what is it that you like? I mean, I've mentioned maybe building a list around a card that I just love the art. So mm -hmm. is there an artist out there that you really like? Stan, you know what I'm, and Fluffy, you know what I'm really into this year, and even going back into last year, is I do like that Wizards and the artists have been doing so much to give us even more versions of the cards that we love playing and you know i think the zendikar rising um like travel posters are some of like my favorite cards in a really long time like i i love like the lotus cobra and the omnath that just like are so colorful and so cool and then thinking even back to like the the throne um storybook art cards like i still I I still loved even having them on Arena. Like I love just seeing like the Bone Crusher Giant in my hand for a variety of reasons, but also like one because the card rules and two because uh it just looks sick. And I think that's one thing that I've liked is that there's there's more even more options than the default. And you know that that helps people at different price points too and also different, you know, different levels of collectivity. I think is definitely valuable. Um, so keeping it just a magic, that's like kind of the, the art thing that I'm really into lately. I've always had a favorite magic artist from the cards, and that's Drew Tucker. And the very first card of his that really wowed me was Merc Dwellers, which is, it's just a zombie. It's, it's not even a particularly great zombie, 
but I always loved the watercolor on that. And then as I, you know, when I recognized that I loved his art style on that one card and I looked at the rest of his catalog, I just saw that he's consistently really impressive. And, and you know, cards like Necrite and Flare, the list goes on. I just think he has a very distinct style and the way that he paints pictures and illustrations for cards makes him quite unique. Um, as, as a little bit of a curveball, you know, I totally agree that Art and creative expression has been something that in so many ways has got us through the last year. And I think some of those voices within the magic community have been vital to sort of positive creative expression. And and this is sort of a backdoor plug to a couple of recent episodes we did, but we got to do an episode with MTG Remy, the musician and, and sketch comic. Um, so I think he's doing something really awesome as an artist and, and storyteller and comedian. And likewise, MTG DZ, who's, you know, mostly a standard streamer, but he makes these TikTok videos that are always really fun and lighthearted. And I think there's a certain art to that as well. So I totally agree with you. Art and magic is, is really important to, you know, the health of our community and kind of what makes this community so special. So I, I love that question. I appreciate you bringing it up. I think you even answered that, though. You, we, need to, we need to hear what you're, what you're into, Fluffy. Oh, for sure. Uh, I will try to say some of these artist names because I know sometimes they're kind of all over the the world where they, they come from. Uh, I think one that a lot of people already know about is, is uh, Johanna's Voss. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I like the Angelic Destiny and Gift of Orzavo, I think is two of, the, of theirs. And I think it's just kind of like, I think the gift was always kind of cool to see because it was very... Um, it looked like a stained glass window, if I recall, and just pretty sweet. I mentioned Painter's Servant, the masterpiece. That's done by another artist I really like, uh, Magalia Villanueva. She did uh, Chandra Torch of Defiance, uh, one of the new hunt masters, uh, Koitha's God of Destiny, I believe, mm. uh, Liliana Waker, Wake, Waker of Death, or Wake of Dead, I think, mm-hmm. recently mm-hmm. as well. And so those were really cool, and, and then uh alana alana danner the snow secret lands a secret layer lands were sweet a little bit of landscape a little bit of creatures and characters of the magic verse and then kind of just i hate to say the boss is doing generic cards but a little more not non non-named characters we'll say that oh johannes did uh did galia did the party yeah. party seder uh-huh yeah yeah it's you you search for the artist and you start looking you're like Oh, no wonder I like this card. They did that too. You know, their their names are so small in the card and I, you know, I can't make them any bigger. Or they take up the card, but it's amazing to see what they put together and and maybe without knowing you're following artists you already really like. Yeah, the thing I love about Johannes in particular is that you could probably make a reasonably playable deck using nothing but Johannes Voss cards because they're so prolific and their art has contributed to so many powerful players, including in modern. Oh man. Is that Thalia's Lieutenant? It is. Oh yes. man. So many... it's, it's Johannes, not jo- Johannes. I'm terrible. Oh, no. with names. We, like, I mean, I'm assuming, but who knows? <laughs> so, someone can correct us. I try my best. If I always get it wrong, someone's going to tell me. Their Kickstarter is in euros, so I'm just going to be like, it's in Europe, and it's a J. It's a soft, <laughs> soft J. <laughs> need, to, need to find somewhere where they've said their name. 
Um, Fluffy, I'll, I'll uh, take over for Stan here because I love um, when we give people the opportunity to plug themselves, where people can find you, your stream, if you have like a Twitter that you engage with or Facebook that you engage with or something like that. How can people find you and, and where are you putting out content? Sure. This is perfect timing. Uh, I had uh, Dylan help me uh, get inspired to do this. So we got Fluffy Wolf 2. Make sure you get that too in there, .com. And that website is something I launched here in January, uh, since we're in January, right at the beginning of this year. So you can basically just use that as your jump point, and then you can find uh, just my thoughts, YouTube playlists on there. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, I'm on Twitch. I'm on Twitter. So Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash fluffywolf2. YouTube, it's YouTube. Uh, dot com slash fluffy wolf two and twitter it's twitter.com slash fluffy wolf two so if it's fluffy wolf two you probably can find me so those are those are probably the big three uh the website's brand new uh, i try to read just about every youtube comment because i'm small enough still that i can do that uh, hopefully can continue so if you put a comment there I'll, I'll more than likely read it getting into twitter a bit more so hit me up on one of those and i guess I guess for the Twitch, I stream Monday, Wednesday, and Friday about 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Since that's a, a live thing, you can come stop by. And Fluffy Wolf 2, that's the number two. It's not spelled out. It's not Roman numerals. No, it's just the number two. If you if you ever get anything shipped from me, it'll be a nice stylized two, as in just the loopy two. Your website looks amazing, by the way. I'm just seeing it right now for the first time, and it is slick. Thank you. Yeah, we worked on it. We worked on it all through December and launched it. And we've got our, I've got some merch up there. I know you guys have some merch too. I think I heard you guys have like hats and play mats or something. I've got uh, stickers and stuff like that. I know you guys can see them. I'm going to hold up a few of them. Whoa. We love swag. Those stickers are nicer are than awesome. our stickers. Oh, look at their wolves wolves those are fluffy wolves they are my emotes as well sweet yeah definitely go check these out people but um... <laughs> all right this is awesome fluffy wolf two mr fluffy wolf two mr two if you will thank you again <laughs> so much for joining us this was such a treat i've wanted to pick your brain for a very long time you know we did a deck dive into pyro prison I want to say more than a year ago now, and I'm always delighted whenever I see that deck pop up. We got some prison players in our super secret Slack channel, and you frequently come up as the authority on the topic. So love your stream, love you as a player, and uh, we were really lucky to have you. So thanks again. Thank you for, for having me. It was, it's was it been fun. I hope I hope we don't go too long without maybe doing something again. All right, then that wraps up this month's bonus episode. If you haven't yet, make sure you check out Fluffy Wolf over at twitch.tv slash fluffywolf2. Give them a follow. Throw them a sub. If you have uh, Amazon Prime, it's super easy to throw someone a sub with just your Amazon Prime account. Highly recommend it. Likewise, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, maybe this is your first time hearing the dive down, you can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or wherever else. If you'd like to submit a question to a future episode of The Dive Down, 
pick our brain on something in modern or other formats, you can tweet us at the dive down, all one word, or email thedivedown at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support our show, you can find us over at patreon.com slash the dive down. Get access to our super secret Slack channel, other merch we have, such as playmats. You can even decide future topics of episodes. Shout out to Mana Traders for sponsoring the dive down. If you're a modern player, you can rent magic online cards via Mana Traders and use promo code the dive down, all one word, to get 15% off your first three months of renting magic online cards. If you play Magic Arena, you can support the dive down without spending any money by using our affiliate code to download the free deck tracking software over at untapped.thedivedown.com. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and check out Fluffy Whoa!